0: Welcome to the week nine sit start podcast. I am Eric Smith and I am joined by Ryan Heath. We'll be going through some of the more difficult decisions this week, which there are a lot of difficult sit start decisions because there are a lot of bye weeks this week. So um, we're also going to ramble up top a lot about the trades. But uh, before we get into that, Ryan, we've been dealing with some people who are mad online today and it kind of got me thinking just about how maybe good we have it actually here at QB list. Like, Uh, Our Discord community, uh, PL Plus, if y'all are interested, you should check it out. Uh, It's a really great community. We got a lot of good football talk there. We all get along really well. Uh, We got a staff that gets along really well. I think we're kind of spoiled here. Um, Even Reddit, like our Reddit interactions are great. I really love the community we have there. It's very positive, just lots of good football talk all around. And when we kind of deal with these people angry online, it kind of reminds us how good we have it. So I just kind of wanted to up top thank everyone for being a part of this community. Uh, we enjoy talking football with you. And you, you know, hey, I know money's tight nowadays. So even if you're not a part of PL Plus, we appreciate you all on Reddit and Twitter and wherever we come across you. So that, that's what I got, Ryan, a little positivity up top while the rest of the world is angry online.
1: I love it. Yeah. But no, I completely agree. All All of our interactions with everybody that reads our stuff for as part of the discord community are awesome. Like the, the only time I ever get pushback is if I'm making fun of Zach Wilson or something (laughs) is usually as mad as people will get. So yeah, I, I count myself pretty lucky there.
0: Yeah. And it's nice being able to have arguments with people where, you know, we're actually like talking to each other and discussing issues and, and, proving points and maybe somebody wins, maybe somebody loses, but it's nice to actually like have a, a, a good faith discussion on both sides. So I just appreciate all of you for listening. I suspect if you're still listening in week nine, uh, you're uh, an integral part of the community. So thank you all. And yeah, let's just leave it at that, Ryan, because there's a lot of, um, it seems especially like the last month, people are just losing their minds online. I was just saying that to a friend. Uh, he has a theory
1: that it's because of the election coming up. People are just on edge, but I, I really have no idea. But I, I feel you. It has. It feels like it's been a lot more vitriolic lately, just in terms of everything outside of our community.
0: Yeah, maybe a little less uh, seasonal depression too. So just yeah, take care of yourselves out there, everyone. Uh we'll we'll get through this winter together and uh let's enjoy football while we still got it. But luckily the NFL has provided us with a lot to talk about, a lot to make fun of, um, a lot to just puzzle about. Uh it, it was an interesting week with the trade deadline on Tuesday. So we're gonna carve out quite a big segment here up top to just rant on these trades. Um, if you want to hear uh, you know, running back analysis, you can skip down farther. We'll have that in the timestamps. But Ryan Let's start out with Chase Claypool here. Um, a good friend of our ours, Mike Miklias in um, QB staff. He finally got his receiver to the Bears, but the Bears had to pay a pretty steep price here. So what are your initial thoughts on Chase Claypool going to the Bears?
1: Yeah, so the, I mean, first of all, completely support the bears doing something to try to help justin fields just so that they can better evaluate him and see if he's actually someone they want to stick with after this year i mean his play has been a lot better as of late but i yeah you definitely want to see what he can do in an offense with multiple actual starting level nfl receivers like what what a concept to get your young quarterback multiple receivers that would start on another roster it's kind of, kind of crazy but i i will be a little critical of the price they paid they paid a second round pick for chase claypool just for something that's a little interesting i went back and looked at all of the receivers that were on the board that later went in the second round in this past draft after the bears made their selection so the receivers they passed on were wandale robinson tyquan thornton george pickens alec pierce and sky Moore. all all of those were drafted after the bears pick in round two this past year it's not a group where it's like wow all all those guys have smashed like they're all clearly gonna be better than claypool but i uh, they could have had george pickens man like they they, (laughs) alec pierce has shown a few things wanda robinson has flashed a little bit like that I feel like just such a better use of their assets would have been to just draft a receiver in the second round. That way, you get all four years of their rookie contract. They get an actual offseason and a training camp with Justin Fields. Like it, it, just would have made much more sense to me that if the goal is to get Fields' guys, that you do it before the season rather than right now.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing for me is that what one more year after this year on Chase Claypool's deal like that is the sticking point here I think in a vacuum you can make an argument for a second round pick for Chase Claypool pretty easily it's just when you start getting into the context contract situation like I don't think he's going to be cheap he's a young player he's, he's put up some production like as long as he doesn't bomb out here in the next year and a half he's going to come with a nice price tag I agree like it might take him time to get up to speed this year maybe this is a bit of a lost half year here. And then you're just basing this all on next year's production. So yeah, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to me. I agree. Why not just draft one or draft one this year with that second round pick coming up? Like I, I, I'm i a little torn though, because this is like the worst case scenario for me, because I love Chase Claypool. Uh, I also want to love Justin Fields. And this pairing here is going to get me hyped up on both of them, I think in dynasty leagues. And I'm a little worried for myself here, Ryan. Like I, I still have hope for both of them. And I think I'm going to get a little bit overboard here because these are two really good athletes paired together. They should be two deep ball connections that like match up here a little bit. And I just, I'm worried for myself that I, I, I'm i just going to be paying a premium for Chase Claypool before I know it.
1: Yeah, that, that might be dangerous territory you're getting yourself <laughs> into there. I, I might have to check some of my rosters where I'm in leagues with you and see if I have any Chase Claypool. Probably not. That's I not a player have I have. Yeah, you probably have him already. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like a, a couple thoughts on what you just said. Um, yeah, like the, the Bears, as we were talking about past uh in the second round but they did draft a receiver in the third round in in my opinion kind of waiting until most of the good talent was off the board but they, they did go for the 25 year old Valus Jones in round 3 uh i i didn't want to like totally make fun of Valus Jones before this podcast cuz he he's a guy and a, a pick that people have that said a lot of pretty mean things about since it happened uh but look I, I typed his name into college football reference to look up his stats and his kick return yards were listed before any of his (laughs) receiving production. And I I was, I was double taking, I'm like, is this a normal thing that happens on this website? I'm like typing in some other names. No, that all, all of his special teams production was listed first. Uh, And it's probably because he didn't go over 300 receiving yards until he was in school for six years. Like, just the, the process there is is incredible from the Bears drafting those wide receivers. I mean, maybe that is the maybe that shows that they should just be trading picks for whatever wide receivers the Steelers drafts because that they, they know their weaknesses there, I guess.
0: So in a vacuum here, what do you think we should view Chase Claypool as? Because there's there's a part of me that this is third year in the league. He's on pace for his third straight 100-target season. The production has not been great, but I feel like some other players. If we separated the situation, maybe some of the on-field stuff, just some of the issues with Claypool, I feel like we would be a lot more optimistic about Claypool than we are. Uh, but there are some stats that, like the, he just has not produced well. He's not been efficient. So I'm just I'm torn on Claypool because getting targets like he has in three straight years to start a career, I think that means something. But there's a lot of red flags too.
1: Yeah, well, I'll actually go out of order on the show sheet now since you bring it up. Uh, so later on, I had a question about Calvin Ridley written and his value right now, according to the consensus in Dynasty on Keep Trade Cut is neck and neck with Chase Claypool and also Kadarius Tony. So I get, I guess those are three players that we can try to sort between a little bit here. With Claypool, yes, he has. Well, I guess he hasn't shown the most production of those three that that that's Calvin Ridley. But he I mean, he's been on the field the most consistently the most recently yeah. of those three. So yeah, that I mean, that has to count for something. Claypool's not put up like these insanely dominant target shares. Um, I, He's had like a couple of huge blow up multi touchdown games. So I, I don't know. I don't think Claypool really has a future as like a dominant receiver in the NFL. I, I would be very surprised if he ever put up a top 12 wide receiver season where I, I could talk myself into Calvin Ridley doing that again. I could maybe if I'm really reaching, I could talk myself into Kadarius Tony doing that more on him later. But yeah, I I just don't see it with Claypool and now being on the Bears in with in an offense it still doesn't have any passing volume. It's only going to get worse now that him and Mooney are competing for targets. Like I I just don't see it. Where's where and when is the production going to come on it like on his second contract? Like that that's just yeah. not attractive to me.
0: Yeah, I guess if I'm painting the optimistic Picture. He's still just 24. He turned 24 in July, I believe. He has played two years with Ben Roethlisberger and then whatever's going on this year. Like he's one of those players, they'll give him rushing attempts. Like he gets touches near the goal line. Like he does seem to get high value attempts when he's not in the doghouse one way or another. So those are the reasons why I do want to keep um you know an eye out on him I mean also it doesn't hurt that he's 6'4 238 you know like that's that's always going to draw my attention too so I don't know I I, I I think the profile in a lot of other situations we'd be a lot more excited on and I mean he's also been playing with Deontay Johnson like there has been a lot of target competition there so again Ryan I'm going to talk myself into Chase Claypool in all these leagues I, I probably should be most worried about redraft next year so um yeah we may have to shut this down now before I talk too much more yeah <laughs>
1: look i i i can't imagine a scenario where his price is like significant in redraft next year right like the, unless he yeah. puts up like fantasy relevant production the rest of the year which i spoiler alert i don't see happening like i'm, I'm not gonna be ranking him highly this week i yeah, yeah i he could be like a last round flyer that's kind of interesting maybe yeah. in redraft next year but yeah i i i'm just not about it he he is younger than Vale has shown. So I'm glad you pointed out he was 24. I couldn't have let that slip by. Um, let's talk about fields a little bit too, and how this affects him maybe because I, that was like my first thought when this trade went down, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty exciting for Justin Fields. Like that. His value has kind of been increasing already the last few weeks. Like this is kind of a cherry on top. Um, but then I saw a tweet just before we started the podcast from Scott Barrett at Scott Barrett DFB on Twitter and Chase Claypool actually ranks only 55th out of 58 eligible wide receivers this year in passer rating when targeted. So he doesn't seem like he's helping out his quarterbacks that much when they are throwing to him. Uh, And funny enough, Darnell Mooney is 57th on that (laughs) list. Uh, And Deontay Johnson is 58th out of 58. So we're, we're dealing with the cream of the crop with these receivers here.
0: Yeah. That, well, that's, that's wild. I did not realize all that. That uh, Deontay Johnson really tops it off. Yeah. I mean, this all, yeah, this all comes down to Justin Fields. Like is he going to take a serious leap or is he going to kind of stumble through these next couple years and we wonder what they have in him? So yeah, it's, I, I can talk all I want about Claypool, but if Fields doesn't, continue this upward trajectory of passing a volume and he doesn't start hitting on some downfield attempts to Mooney or Claypool or whoever. Yeah, it's not going to matter, but I do think this is really encouraging for fields in general, just because say what you want about Claypool. I know those stats are bad as far as passer rating when targeted, but I do still think he is an NFL wide receiver, which is topping what the bears have had for most of this year. So I think if you put Claypool and Mooney together and then you start building off that there's a chance that their wide receiver core next year is like average and I I, that's a long way from if they had exited this season with just Mooney at wide receiver
1: I I would say their wide receiver core is like a first round pick away from being top half of the league yeah yeah so yeah yeah I it it shows an intention to build around fields which we did not really see this offseason which was probably the biggest red flag to me just as far as evaluating from him from a dynasty perspective so If there is more organizational buy-in now, like I feel a lot safer about just holding fields and seeing what happens.
0: But again, uh, maybe they should have just drafted their own receivers in the second round this year or next year. So I think we could wrap it up with that, right?
1: Yeah, I think we've circled the drain. Um, <laughs> let's move on to another receiver I just mentioned, Kadarius Tony. This happened before the trade deadline, but we didn't talk about it on the podcast last week. I believe it was was the day after it released. So just wanted to mention it. Uh Kadarius Tony obviously was acquired by the Kansas City Chiefs for a third rounder and a sixth rounder. I, the first thing that comes to my mind is like how how does this affect Juju Smith Schuster because he's actually been productive the last few weeks. Um, he has been only the wide receiver forty in terms of oppo per game. Uh, obviously has been pretty efficient on that, especially in the last couple. Just go going for a lot of yards, touchdowns, but I, he juju has been commanding targets at the very least he has eight targets in five out of his seven games i i felt forced to rank him as the wide receiver 20 this week just because of how not deep the position is with six teams on bye. but i i think tony probably throws a pretty big wrench in this rest of season especially right
0: maybe Um uh... My instinct with anyone other than Kansas City and Andy Reid would be to write off Tony for the rest of the year. I think it would be like there's not enough time, he's shown too many red flags. Like, it, but Casey and Andy Reid makes me think that this is possible and that he's going to be on the field and that they'll learn how to use him and it won't take too long. So, it could be a red flag. I, I don't know that I would be so much worried about Juju. Uh, maybe I should be. I, I, it kind of feels like it's a, a death sentence for Sky Moore, who hadn't really earned his way onto the field much. Um, But I mean, even like, I don't know, Nicole Hardman's been playing pretty well lately. So it's interesting to see how this is all going to shake out because I don't think the receivers have been playing that poorly. So I would expect a bunch of like schemed touches, whether it's screens or short stuff early on, kind of designer type stuff. And we kind of saw them try to do that with Sky more already. And, uh, you know, kind of end of games, they'd start throwing them swing passes and stuff like that. So I wonder if that's Tony's role. He works his way up, but I don't know. I would be a little hesitant to say that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to lose a lot here unless Tony just steps onto the field and it's like, wow, was he healthy this whole time in the Giants and they just hated him? Like what happened? Because like, I think we're going to know pretty quickly, like if something real weird was going on with his relationship or if, yeah, there were a bunch of red flags here.
1: I I think it was the day after the trade was announced that it was reported that his hamstring was completely healthy and he was feeling great. So I, I, I'm going to lean towards that. This was just the hamstring was an excuse for him to not be on the field because the relationship was just destroyed between him and New York. I not like it's We kind of got to follow the breadcrumbs on that. Like he, didn't show up to um, training camp or no, not training camp, optional workouts early in the summer. And then it was reported he would be on the trade block and he showed up the next day, if I'm remembering correctly. So there's probably a lot of weird stuff going on. I, I don't think that the chiefs like as a super bowl contender team are trading away a third round pick unless they, Think he's healthy and pl- intend at least to play him and to make their offense better th- like now right so yeah like I-, I think that five screens a game to Kadarius Tony pro- probably improves the Chiefs offense like they- they- they it's, the receivers they have have been fine kind of up and down but it they haven't really had that guy for like those low a dot throws that can just get that insane amount of yak, right? Like that, that was kind of the Tyree kill role. And I, I don't think Juju's that guy. Me can kind of do that impression occasionally, but not, not consistently. Like I I'm interested in Kadarius, Tony, like rest of season. um, He, it should have been added across all leagues when this trade went down. If he's somehow out there in yours, you should pick him up. Uh, like I, I think, there is a scenario where he's the most productive Chiefs wide receiver the rest of the way.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I did immediately pick him up in my home league. I dropped, I think, Van Jefferson, who I was kind of speculatively stashing. And I'm happy I did that because he did nothing his first week. But you're higher than him than I am rest of season. But I mean, I'm willing to be convinced of this. I do think dynasty-wise, this is pretty huge. I mean, both Miko Hardman and Juju are free agents after this year. Uh, So that leaves Tony, Marquez Valdez, Stantling, Sky Moore. I mean, sure, they could resign one of those guys, but um, it's a huge opportunity. I guess that's what I wonder is, is this kind of a let's see what we can get from him this year, but kind of a hedge long term on Tony and, you know, get him in the building and maybe next year we can really use him. That would be my only pushback for this year. But I'm intrigued now that you're this high on him because, I mean, I know we like everything we've seen from him. We just haven't seen him stay on the field. I guess that's ultimately the question at the end of the day is just, how quote unquote injury prone is he and how much was he just not a fit in New York?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like when, when he's on the field, he's been great in the NFL, Uh 2.14 yards per route run last year. That that was better than every other rookie wide receiver, except for Jamar chase. So just, obviously that's not on that many routes. Like it, it, that was only a few games where he was really active and playing for the whole time, but he, he is just electric with the ball in his hands. Like you just, put it in his hands and he'll make something happen he'll juke three guys behind the line of scrimmage and take it for a first down like we even it was, was it week 1 where he played a few snaps or week 2 like he he was still doing that this year like it yeah. obviously not not often like hasn't been on the field but yeah that you're right like it it it, it does feel very binary like they they either this either is completely nothing or <laughs> yeah or he's the most productive Chiefs receiver the rest the rest of the way maybe next to Juju but I yeah I I'm interested that's all I'll say
0: no I am too and I mean Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes that's like this is the best scenario pretty much you can get in on any team this year in the future you know outside like the Bills maybe or something but this is where you want to chase players so I do think if you get a little too high on Tony and it doesn't work out this is at least an opportunity worth shooting for
1: yep all right, and let's move on to the other wide receiver that we already kind of talked about a little bit, Calvin Ridley. So, the, the the thing that stood out to me most in this trade was the compensation. So, it the pick that the Jacksonville traded to the Falcons can end up being anywhere between a 6th rounder to a 2nd rounder. Depending on how much Ridley ultimately plays for them, I I think they have to sign him to a long-term deal and then that pick becomes a second rounder. There are so many different conditions in this that it's hard to keep track of. So what that tells me is that the Jaguars also have no idea if Calvin Ridley's ever going to play in the NFL again. And I I don't know if that should make us change our minds about him in any way in Dynasty, but I'm curious what your take is, Eric.
0: Yeah, it's uh, an interesting trade for sure. It's interesting that they made it at this point in the season. Like, I I don't know what the rush was necessarily to trade Ridley, but I mean, this is the type of player that I would generally fade. Uh, He's going to be 28 in December. um, So he's already getting up there in age, quote unquote, and uh, he's only had one 1,000 yard season and he's going to be looking at nearly a two year absence. So this is normally the profile that I would be fading. Now his two year absence is unique. So this is not your typical injury or I don't know, you know, drug suspension or whatever it might be off the field incident. Like this is a weird one. So that makes me inclined to hold out hope for Ridley here. And obviously if Jacksonville gets things on track and he gets dropped in, like that's awesome. I, I think I would be a little hesitant. Um, expecting big things out of Ridley, like I just, I, I just wonder if we're ever going to see that true wide receiver one again out of him because we just, we just see these players sit out for a year or two and they just come back and they just tend to not be the same. Even Le'Veon Bell, I know an older running back that's a little different, but I do think being out there and playing week in week out is pretty big at becoming a good football player. So I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical here with Ridley. I don't mind the shot from the Jaguars on this, like it's pretty low risk for them if he doesn't rat, turn out to be anything then they're not really spending a whole lot so i like the move there, there's certainly upside there but i probably i'll believe it when i see it i think when it comes to fantasy purposes
1: yeah i would hold out a little more hope than it sounds like you are I, 28 is the prime for wide receivers. Yeah. like th- this isn't like a who will like michael thomas Mine, situation yeah. where he's been out two years with Injuries, and he's getting up there in age. And Michael Thomas was productive for the few games he was actually on the field earlier in the year. So i I don't think it would be crazy for Ridley to come back and just immediately be Mm -hmm. like a a top fifteen fantasy wide receiver again. Uh, I but there's another angle to this too. Is who's going to be throwing in the ball. So I, I was very excited and thought I was very funny and clever to write that he might get to play with Bryce young or CJ Stroud on the show sheet. I, if what if we're okay, let me walk you through this. So the beginning of 2023 comes around Calvin Ridley applies for reinstatement with the league, which he has to do. This isn't just a one year suspension. Like he has to be approved to come back. I'm sure yeah. they are sending him to some sort of like, Gamblers Anonymous, whatever it's called, I'm sure he has to do all this stuff. If he comes back in 2023, let let's say Trevor Lawrence doesn't improve his play from the very up and down stuff we've seen, I I don't think the Jaguars are actually in the market for another quarterback in this year's draft. But it are are we excited about Calvin Ridley competing with Christian Kirk for targets? Who's not a zero, like. In yeah. a Trevor Lawrence offense, like it is that like where would you draft that in redraft? I'm like I'm trying to benchmark that maybe he's a third or fourth round pick at that point that I don't feel good about,
0: yeah, I mean, that feels rich. Where did and not that this is a comparison, but what darnell Mooney was like a fifth round pick this year, maybe,
1: yeah is that right yeah, something fifth or sixth somewhere. Depending. I would but, think yeah. he'd F- be more fifth in round in underdog, yeah,
0: I would think he's in that range. I mean, again, He'll have had a long layoff. Uh, we're, we're kind of assuming in this that Trevor Lawrence didn't break out and become, you know, Peyton Manning. Uh, so there's question marks at quarterback, long layoff, some competition. I, I don't think it's crazy to think he could be even lower than that, but I don't know. I, I, there are going to be a lot of people that see that 140 target season that he had and just assume that that's going to come right back. So I, I guess part of my... Um, skepticism is also kind of like what you mentioned where he still does have to get reinstated it just feels like there's a lot of things that can go wrong before we get our 1000 yard 10 touchdown Calvin Ridley season so I just tend to bet against all that in general but sure if if we get to 2023 Lawrence has made some improvements and he's out there on the field and training camp then it, it's probably time to start getting excited all
1: right yeah no I, I think we've covered that all pretty well so just, just to wrap this up um As I said earlier, Chase Claypool, Kadarius Toney, Calvin Ridley, all are consensus valued at about the same in Dynasty right now. Uh, Are you taking one of those three, or are you taking the mid to late 2023 second rounder? Uh, I I think I'm probably taking the pick, but if I had to pick a player, I might have talked myself into Kadarius Toney, now that we've talked all the way through it.
0: Uh, I would take a player over a mid to late second round pick I think I I tend to just value these first rounders but um man they're so they're also different here I I would probably still go Ridley even after all of what I just said here but I don't feel great about it (laughs) It, it, there's a lot of risk there um yeah it's a tough one though they're all neck and neck and I I guess Ridley just because we have at least seen it yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, you I probably
1: would have said Ridley before we had the conversation, but you you kind of talked me out of him, but kept yourself talked into him. So yeah, that's great. I I love this right now.
0: I, um, I wanted to be Claypool because he's he's 24. That's who I wanted to be.
1: Yeah, well, I, I hope I talked you out of that one. You're yeah, welcome. I think so. Um, okay, let's move to tight end here. Uh so TJ Hawkinson was dealt in the division to the Vikings. Uh It was Hawkinson and two fourth rounders for the Vikings second and third rounder. I, I will say I really, first of all, I really like this move for the lions The the tight end market is absolutely insane right now. Uh, You can thank Bill Belichick for that, but there there is no reason that the lions should have been re-signing TJ Hawkinson. So getting draft picks back, for him in a year when they've already fallen out of contention yeah, why not I mean Carry on Johnson was on Twitter saying he thinks it's insane that Hawkinson got traded away for that but I'm that's like they, they were teammates right or were they drafted together maybe so i I would expect a player that is probably friends with the guy to feel that way but from a business sense just as far as managing your cap space and your draft assets, I think I like it.
0: Yeah, I've talked myself a little bit into the Viking side as this goes on. I was, I, I still think it's definitely a good trade for the Lions. I just don't think he's a difference maker. I mean, you look at PFF grades. Not that those are everything, but he's about the twelfth ranked tight end so far this year. If you just go by receiving grade, it's I think eighth in the league. So it's not that he's a bad player. I mean, he's certainly, um, he's, he's, he's a rock solid player for any offense, but I think we have this picture of this top 10 pick in our heads and he has not been performing like that. I do think in an offense with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Kirk cousins, like I, I think it's a, a little interesting there and it will help them. But if you're a team like the lions, yeah, I would get picks for him. Absolutely. I mean, he is on his what fourth year. Um, does he have a fifth year option? I believe. So he'll yep. be, is he on the continent? Yeah. So, so he's got another year on the contract, but I mean, yeah, if you're the lions, I would not be shelling out of a four year mega contract for TJ Hawkinson. There's just too many other things to address. So maybe, you know, tight ends are slow developing. Maybe he keeps increasing and, and, and here in a few years he breaks out, but I'm a little skeptical. And I think, you know, you saw the Bengals get Hayden Hurst. He's looked like a pretty good tight end in free agency. Like Tyler Conklin was a free agent tight end. They're all cheap players. Like I just, I think these cheap tight ends available in free agency are pretty comparable to what T.J. Hawkinson gives you. Yeah, they just had Tyler Conklin
1: in the building last year. They should have just re-signed him. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I can get behind that for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, I mean, kind of looking at this from a fantasy perspective, uh, I I think it is, it's, it's probably kind of a push for like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like I I don't think that Hawkinson is going to command a crazy amount of targets more so than Irv Smith was Uh, Irv Smith's likely out for the season uh, getting surgery on his high ankle sprain, by the way. Uh, So that it's really just, he slots right into that role, I think, but what I would assume isn't splitting snaps with Johnny Munt as much as Irv Smith has been that you would hope at least. So But yeah, like for Hawkinson, if you have him in fantasy, I think this is at least somewhat of an upgrade for him. Like just looking at pass rate over expected, the Vikings are sixth in the league this year uh, and the Lions are negative. So the, the Lions are when they, when they can, the Lions are running. Now it's, they can't generally, but the Vikings are a genuinely pass first team. So I, I like this. If you have Hawkinson in fantasy, like you, you feel pretty decent about this. He's probably top, top five tight end rest of the way pretty easily. Right.
0: Yeah. Borderline top five. Yeah. I, I think the question on most people's minds, cause he's already rostered in leagues is like, can they play him this week? Will he be playing? We just don't know that on a, a Wednesday night. Like we, I haven't seen a whole lot about what his role would be this week. Uh, how long it's going to take him to get up to speed, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think I'd probably just say with Hawkinson, if he's active and they say he's, you know, generally a part of the offense and involved, like I would play him. I I, I don't know. I, he seems like a solid enough player. He can pick up this offense and be involved and be a useful fantasy player. So I, I think that's the biggest question with Hawkinson is like, is he ready to go this week and, and catch his five balls? Or is it going to be like a two or three week process?
1: Yeah. I like, I would think if he is active, which I would assume he would be, then you can play him like he, yeah. I would have trouble naming 12 other tight ends. I would <laughs> rather play over TJ Hawkinson, even if he even if you told me he's going to run like 15 routes like that probably has decent touchdown equity. Right. Like that, that's going to be about what you're getting on the waiver wire at tight end anyway. So, yeah, I I think you can plug him in unless we're hearing like very clearly that he won't be a part of the offense in the first week.
0: Yeah, I mean, once you get to like tight end ten this week with all the buys and everything, it, it's bad. So yeah, he's he's, he's worth the start. If you have a better streaming option, go for it. But um, yeah, I do like him for this year. I mean, I will say the Lions have had some games where they passed a ton, so you know we'll we'll see. But um, the Vikings are a little more pass heavy, and it, Cousins is, is certainly a better uh, fantasy distributor than Jared Goff is. So I'll, I'll take my chances with Hawkinson. Probably borderline top five is, is accurate at tight end.
1: Awesome. Yeah, and the last thing I want to say on this is it. Thank God that TJ Hawkinson is not on the Lions anymore because now, now Amon St. Brown can finally command targets like that. We've been waiting for him. I I mean he's only he only had 10 targets last week in in his first fully healthy game in a month. It's all, he stepped on the field and commanded 10 targets. Uh he's has nine or more targets in every game this year that he's played more than 50% of the snaps. So I I, I mean, this can't hurt, but like he, I'm on our St. Brown is still a wide receiver one the rest of the year and not, nothing's changed about that.
0: No. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all, all the reasons people were worried about him this year. Like Jameson Williams is still like a month away at least from rejoining the lions. Deandre Swift has been hurt. Hawkinson is traded now. It's like, yeah, I think St. Brown will be just fine as long as he can stay healthy himself. So yeah, I, uh, I, when he when he suffered his injuries this year, I realized how many dynasty teams I have him on, and it is a lot. So I am uh, I am involved in this Alonzo St Brown breakout. Hopefully, it looks just like last year did down the stretch.
1: I just realized that people are actually going to say at the end of the year that Alonzo St Brown was only good again because everybody <laughs> else got hurt. Like I I just, we're gonna do this again next off season. So I yep. yeah, sign me up. I I would just. I would love to dive right back into Amon Ross St. Brown discourse. Um, all right. So before we get to some of the running backs that were traded, I just wanted to say a few words about Elijah Moore, who has just been failed by his organization. Like it, it, it actually makes me angry kind of just watching how all of this has unfolded in the last few weeks. So like, okay. Let, I don't, I just don't know where to start on this whole rant. So Going back to the Chase Claypool thing, right? He, the Steelers got a second round pick out of him while Claypool has a year and a half left on his rookie deal. Elijah Moore has shown in his rookie year showed as much as Claypool did, I would say, or about even probably like, I I know I was like the biggest Elijah Moore stand around in the off season. I, I can imagine that his reputation in league circles is that much worse than Chase Claypool's, right? So you would think with an extra year on Elijah Moore's rookie contract that he could have been valued at around a second round pick, uh, two weeks ago before this whole fiasco began, right? Like, yep. so if you're the Jets, why are you not just trading him? If he's, if you, if you think Elijah Moore is bad, cause you're the Jets and you know more than everybody in, else in the league because you see him every day. If you think he's bad, but the rest of the league thinks he's good, you, you should trade him. You should not like make a public show of benching him because he's not Part of the offense, and he's frustrated. Like, what? What are you doing there? Just get get that second round pick back. Why would you not? It's it's just wild to me from a management perspective. Not even getting into like how unfair the whole Jets fan reaction has been to Elijah Moore. Like the the fact that Jets fans think that he's not a team player and that it's like rude and not a cool move for him to request a trade. Uh, ju- just because the Jets have beaten Jacoby Brissett, Skylar Thompson, Brett Ripien, and Mitch Trubisky. Like, it, oh no, like we're, our team is so good this year. Like he clearly doesn't care that the team's winning. Like it's, it has to be all about him. No dude, like he he's a player that is playing for a second contract. Rookies don't make that much money in this league and they won't make any money if they are sitting on an offense that is, right I, I don't know where the Jets are in pass rate over expected since Zach Wilson took over but it it's very low they're not throwing the ball they are actively trying to hide Zach Wilson who's 35th in EPA per pass attempt right now by the way which is worse than Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush by the way so no I don't blame Elijah Moore for requesting a trade and the fact that the Jets instead of turning around and just immediately trading him and recouping their value. We're like, no, we're going to bench you in week seven. And you're going to run seven routes in week eight while we get destroyed by the most embarrassing new England Patriots roster I've seen in a (laughs) while. Like what what, the the jets are just, just make me feel so much better as a down bad Patriots fan, because it, as frustrated as I can get with my own team, I can always look, to the jets and be like yes there there is so much more just stink and organizational incompetence happening here so i i'm out of things to say about this eric other than justice for elijah Moore, justice for denzel mims who they did the same exact thing to i yeah talk for me
0: <laughs> i've got a lot to unpack here so i i agree with you like how many times have we seen this work when a receiver is angry and they bench him because he's angry? Like, I don't know a lot of examples off the top of my head where like it comes back and he gets back on the team and is the wide receiver one and everything's forgiven. Like, so I agree with you. This was their chance to move him. You've got, you like your receiver you just drafted, you have a lot of pieces of your offense you like. Um, Maybe the injury to Brees Hall should kind of reset your expectations for the rest of the year. Uh, It seems like a good chance to get a pick for him. So yeah, second round pick for him sounds great to me. So I'm on board with that. Bringing up the Denzel Mims thing is also instructive here. Like why do they still have Denzel Mims on the roster? Like even at this point, like even a a fifth round pick would have paid off. Like I, so I, I do agree with you, like either play these players or move on. Um, they're not even passing enough to need all of these options. Right. I mean, it's like you said, it's been low pass volume. Like, what do you need a stockpile of receivers, I guess, in case of injury, but yeah, I I'm right there with you. Um, even as far as the Zach Wilson stuff too, I'm afraid to even bring it up anymore. Like, I don't think he's a very good quarterback and you get hit with a lot of, um, <laughs> I, I don't venom when you bring that up. And, I, I just haven't seen a lot of examples that he, you know, he can run an offense. Um, like he can make plays out of structure sometimes. Sure. But I haven't seen him marching a, a team down a field in structure. And that's a, an important part of being a quarterback in the NFL. So yeah, I, I don't know why Elijah Moore is, is rotting on the bench. Um, I guess best case scenario, if you have more in dynasty leagues, they're just teaching him a lesson and magically next week, he'll be on the field for the full slate of snaps or whatever. That's the best case, but I like. I don't know. They like all their other receivers too, right? I mean, Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson and Braxton Berrios, and they've got two good tight ends. And it's not like they need Elijah Moore. So yeah, it's perplexing. And they're going to waste a second year here with him. And now they're going to be going into the third year of his con- rookie contract. And we'll see how much he plays next year. I guess. Yeah. Nobody wants
1: to trade for him anymore because they like what. Once you are like stop being productive or stop playing in the nfl for an extended period of time your your trade value just goes like goes down like they they can't deal him again until the beginning of 2023 now so yeah he's you either play him or he rots away on your roster and he's denzel mims like it yeah it's just insane to me and i like and look this jet's roster is not horrible either like the garrett wilson Corey davis and elijah moore is a like trio yep. of receivers that most quarterbacks in the league would like to have. Like if you drop Derek Carr or Kirk cousins into that offense, they, like they will make good things happen. Like you, I'm, you yep. don't even need like a, an incredible quarterback to I, it supposedly operate that offense. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's just wild to me, but I, yeah. And anything else on the jets, Eric, before we move on and my blood pressure goes back down to normal
0: no i would just say they're they're five and three so i would expect them to keep running this offense this way to try to win and um yeah i don't have a lot of hopes for this passing game rest of season if if they were two and six like maybe we at least just kind of get like we got to figure out what we got with zach wilson let's chuck the ball around but i don't know that that's coming right now because they're I mean, they need to make the playoffs like that whole organization needs it. So uh, they're going to play to try to make the playoffs. And I think that involves a lot of running the ball. And that's probably why they went out and got James Robinson. Like they they know they're going to be trying to play defense and run the ball. So not great things for Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, uh, any of these pass catchers here.
1: I wish we had like an associated press poll for the NFL. Is is that a thing? I actually don't know if that's a thing, but like they have in college football where they'll where they'll rank like the top 25 or whatever it is. And I, at least generally you people will evaluate based on who have you beaten? Like Mm -hmm. what, what have you actually shown on the field? It's not just your record, but it feels like these general managers that all they see is that big five and two in the win column. Like it, it's just really strange to me. Like I, I know that we're capable of having these conversations about like, who have you beaten the quality of your schedule, but it, it, yeah, it feels like that. that's just absent with the Jets right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one nice thing about what the Giants did. I mean, they traded Tony, they didn't go out and make some move, they've got a good record. You could even say the same for the Falcons. I think the Falcons are being pretty realistic. Uh, there's a few teams out there that are being relatively realistic about where they're at. So I don't know that the jets are unrealistic necessarily. They just, they need this so bad, Ryan. So I, I mean, is Salah getting fired if, the, if this falls apart this year? Like is there's a lot of things that could go wrong here. So there's a lot of pressure here on the jets. I, I think that's just at the end of the day, that pressure is going to push them towards uh, maybe some poor long-term decisions
1: yeah just poor, poor long term decision <laughs> after poor long term decision all right th- let's move on to the running backs um and get get a little more back into fantasy football world right now where i'm more comfortable cuz man i'm exhausted after that uh so th- i i guess like the most interesting move for for as far as fantasy football goes when we look at these running backs moving teams is Naheem Hines going to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, The Bills sent Zach Moss and a conditional sixth rounder back to the Colts. So give me your take on this, Eric. Like, is James Cook just done? First of all, let's get that out of the way.
0: For this year, yes, he is done. Um, It's hard to imagine him becoming a better pass catching back than Naheem Hines in his rookie year. So yes, I would say Zach Moss is done. Long term not looking good either, but uh certainly for this year. I, I have a whole Naheem Hines rant in me too. I don't know if we've got time for another rant, but um all these things we've heard out of the Colts for all these years about Naheem Hines, how good of a pass catcher he is, how they're gonna use him in the slot, all of these things. And to see him traded after all that and the production that he's put up is is relatively mind-boggling. Like he he topped out in twenty twenty at eight hundred and sixty-two yards from scrimmage. Um Last year, it was 585. Like he played all those games too. I know that they had Jonathan Taylor. They've got a good back there. But for all this talk, and this is what we got out of Naheem Hines. I mean, every year we had to deal with this, Ryan. It was, he's going to be used in the slot. They're going to play two running backs. All this talk about how great of a pass catcher is. And it really feels like they missed an opportunity with him. And maybe he's not that good. And maybe they were overhyped on him. But I do think he's a good pass catcher. And I just don't think they used him. They could have used another weapon in the passing game. And I just I don't think they ever incorporated him. So I am curious to see if uh the, the Bills really use him like he could. I I think there's a chance he's like a 40% share with Singletary here. I, I think that's reasonable that once he gets into this offense. Like you look at the snap shares, Singletary's played 71% of the snaps, Zach Moss 16%, and then Cook had played 15%. So there's a good like 30% chunk that's open there. And I think Hines could eat into that work a little more. So I am curious to see what he can do in this passing offense with 40 or so percent of the snaps, because it's just, I, I'm just disappointed about how it went in Indianapolis. And for all the talk, they just were not that creative in getting getting the ball. I mean, I know the targets were there. It's not like they didn't use him, but like it was nothing special.
1: Yeah. You know, in hindsight, I'm, as I'm kind of thinking about this now, I, I think all the, we're going to use Naheem Hines in the slot thing was, it it was just the cults version of the patriots saying that Nikhil harry is having the best camp of his life every <laughs> single offseason like that that yeah. that has to have been what it was right i i think they were actually just trade baiting for him right like that 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 makes the most sense now that i i had never considered this angle before but all all of their actions make much more sense if you look at them through that lens so and and i guess like yeah maybe maybe you should trade Naheem hines if you believe he has value around the league when you have a Jonathan Taylor there. So, yeah, I you know what? I I'm no longer mad about Frank Reich telling literally saying you should draft Naheem Hines in fantasy football before this before this year started. So, thanks Frank Reich. He was was trying to tell us that they that they were going to trade him to the Bills. Yeah, that but yeah, I mean on on the Bills I'm kind of interested so like just looking at target shares Hines has pretty consistently been around like an 11 to 12% target share his entire career uh as you said his best year was in 2020 he was up at 14% then uh and a 12% target share is exactly what Devin Singletary has been doing so far this year so yeah, I, I think Hines probably steps into that pass catching role. Obviously, the Bills have been aggressively going after running backs to be to be to fill that pass catching role for them. Uh, they got J.D. McKissick stolen from them. Uh, they obviously drafted. Drafted James Cook in the second round. I We can say they overdrafted James Cook now, right? Like that, we probably said that when the draft happened. But at, with how it's played out in hindsight, especially, they overdrafted James Cook in the second round for that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Hines can step in and just immediately see like an 11 to 12 percent target share. How valuable that is, I'm not sure. Like, it, yeah, it is the Bills offense, but I, I would think Singletary is – subbing in on the goal line every single time right so that they're probably splitting up these high value touches so i yeah i would be surprised if either Hines or singletary really escape like low end rb2 flex territory all year and yeah like I, i'm not really excited to play Hines until we actually see his role
0: yeah i mean i've got singletary around rb19 right now this week um Hines, like kind of RB40-ish. I just don't know how much he's going to play. I think Singletary can still kind of keep his role. He might lose a little bit, but I, I do think there's value just having the lead back in the Bills offense. But yeah, they spread the ball around a lot. Uh, it's it's probably not, it's probably more of a, a real life addition for the Bills than it is a fantasy related edition. So uh, I will say as far as long-term with Hines, he's 26. It looks like they could basically just move on from him next year, I think, if I'm looking at this right. So uh i don't know that this means anything long term but i would expect if he looks good this year they'll keep him around but I, I think it is worth noting that they could move on after this year if they wanted to so i don't know long term in buffalo i'm still not exactly sure what this backfield looks like it's probably more of the same of what we've seen of kind of a mess of uh, a committee that gets prioritized behind stefan Diggs as it should be
1: yeah i yeah i think you're right. Um... Yeah, like pro- best case for Heinz' rest of his career, pro- probably is being JD McKissick, right? Like kind, kind of mm-hmm. coming out of a really crowded backfield in Seattle, and then going elsewhere in the league and carving out a pass catching role for at least a few years for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I'm there. I think we're in line there. Um, let's talk about this from the Colts' perspective because I'm a little more more interested here. Um, it, I mean as Unfortunate as the Colts offense was (laughs) with Sam Ellinger. Uh, It's still kind of interesting. Um, So Jonathan Taylor did not practice today. Uh, He reportedly twisted his ankle last week. This has been kind of a reoccurring thing for him. Uh, All the Twitter doctors that I've seen have said they think it's a low ankle sprain. That's what the team is reporting. So it's probably not you wouldn't think that this is like medically a huge deal, but it it feels like this keeps cropping back up for Taylor. So like how worried are we about him? Because it's also not like he's been that productive this year, even when he's been on the field.
0: Yeah, I I think we are worried. I mean, this was the worry as soon as we saw high ankle sprain, whether it was confirmed or not, like that that, this is the worry is that he, he does not get back to his old self the rest of the season. And then you throw in the rest of the offense crumbling around him and I do think it's a concern. He's been more in the like fifty to seventy percent snap share in the two weeks since he's been back. Uh that could certainly scale back this week if he did injure himself, which he did. Um so maybe that drops down. I, I would say with all the bye weeks this week at running back, like you're probably playing him if he's active. Like it's hard to it's hard to get him out of the top twenty. So unless you're stacked at running back, you're probably still playing him, even though I don't like that matchup in New England for him. But yeah, it's a concern rest of season. Like I just don't know. If he plays through this injury, um, they've you know, like they've got their bye week in week fourteen, that's a ways off. Like if he just plays through this, are we getting back to like week one, 31 carries for 161 yards against the Texans? Like I just I don't know if we're getting to that kind of volume, that kind of explosion. I hope so. But if he just keeps re injuring this thing, it he could look a lot more like uh I was gonna say Josh Jacobs. I guess he's been pretty good this year, but he could look a lot more one of those volume running backs for the rest of the year as opposed to like league winning. Uh, 101 in fantasy drafts
1: i can't believe you just compared jonathan taylor to <laughs> ezekiel elliott and eric how how dare you uh well i mean that the next like logical step here has to be that we, we need to be rostering deon jackson uh yeah. he i have trouble thinking of more than a handful of running back handcuffs that i would rather stash right now than deon jackson um i because we've seen him step in, we've seen him take on that pass-catching role. I, I would think he just is in the Naheem Hines role. Not that the Naheem Hines role has been big this year, but I would think he's in that already. Uh, but yeah, if Taylor gets hurt, the contingent upside is great. Uh, obviously, Zach Moss is there now, but like, like Zach Moss was has been a healthy scratch in Buffalo the last couple of weeks. Like I, I think Dion Jackson is going to play clearly over Zach Moss. The Colts did sign Jordan Wilkins to their practice squad today. I He he is a warm body that has been on the team before. That's kind of all I can say about him. So yeah, we could see a situation where th- this is the Deion Jackson show if Taylor can't put it all together and get healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got him ranked about RB30 this week. Even if Taylor plays, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I like that we've seen... He's had two games, like 60% or so uh, snaps we've seen. So we've seen the workload out of him. Both of those games, he was above a 10% target share, I think as high as like 17%. So I like that he can fill in on the ground and through the air from what we've seen. So yeah, I, Deion Jackson's out there in a lot of leagues. I would go get him right now. Like it's handcuffed. He may have some standalone value and we've seen it. I mean, a lot of these kind of backup types, we just don't know if they can produce. And I know it's it's been a very small sample size, but we have seen Deion Jackson produce. So You should go get him if he's out there in your league right now.
1: Yes, actually pick up your phone, pause (laughs) this podcast and check your league because I last night when I was setting waivers, I was I was thinking, okay, Deion Jackson's out there. I don't think I need to use a waiver claim on him. I like I don't need to spend fab. I want I want to see what I get in the first round. And the first thing I do Wednesday morning is going to be adding Deion Jackson to all these rosters. Lo and behold, Jonathan Taylor did not practice comes out as a blur before I get the chance to. So I'm like frantically picking up my phone at the office and (laughs) trying to get him on as many teams as I can. So that, that was a fun moment for me today, but yeah, yes, that's what you should be doing right now. If he's still out there in your league. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to another running back trade that I, I think is probably less exciting, but Basically, Jeff Wilson was traded to the Dolphins to reunite with Mike McDaniel uh, for a fifth-round pick. What do we make of this, Eric? Like, d- does this? I so the Dolphins have cleared out the back of their running back depth chart uh, as Chase Edmonds went to Denver. I let's just talk about these together, I guess. Um, yeah. Wh- so, what do we make of Jeff Wilson getting added to this backfield? Is he just depth? Is he going to have a role? What, like, what do we think?
0: I'm actually pretty interested in Jeff Wilson. Uh, I mean, we know he's got familiarity with the head coach in Miami, so that certainly helps. He's going to know the scheme and all of that. And he, like you mentioned, he's backed up Mostert before. I I really think he could have a role. I mean, Mostert's been playing about 60 to 70% of the snaps recently. He's been dominating the rushing work, but This was with Chase Edmonds playing horribly. Like fantasy data has him with just five evaded tackles on the year. He ranks 97th in yards created per attempt. Uh, He's fifth in the league with a 24% drop rate. Like it's been really, really bad for Edmonds. So even with that, Edmonds has been on the field about 38% of the snap. So I I don't think they want to just give Raheem Moster 80% snap rate every week. And so I would expect Wilson to slot into that chase Edmonds role, maybe even higher. So I think I, I Wilson's got some standalone value. He's obviously a good handcuff and like, depending what they say this week, like I, you might be able to play him as a, a super desperation option. Really? Like I, I just, he's going to know the role. He's going to potentially slot in for goal line work and, that's a good offense. Like I know the running game has not been maybe as good as we thought in Miami, but with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell just lighting it up, like I'll take my chances on a running back falling into the end zone here right now. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm relatively excited in Wilson. I, I picked him up with some fab in some leagues where people dropped him once McCaffrey got added to San Francisco. So um, I, I think if he's out there in waivers, I'd pick him up too, because he's got a few different paths here to a, a fantasy role.
1: Yeah, I think the goal line stuff makes some sense. So I, for some reason, I feel like the Dolphins don't want Mostert in at the goal line. And the reason I say that is Chase Edmonds has had like five carries inside the five-yard line his entire career. And I think four of them came in this start of this season. So for, yes. if you're putting Chase Edmonds in at the goal line over Raheem Mostert, like I, I, there must be some like desire to get to get just anybody else in there but Mostert I maybe they're worried about him in short yardage about him injuring himself that would actually make the most sense so yeah yeah, I I think Wilson is like a priority handcuff as well would would rather roster ooh actually that's close would you rather roster Jeff Wilson or Deion Jackson like the Miami offense is better Raheem, I mean Taylor's already kind of hurt but Mostert obviously has at pretty big injury history. Like these are both guys that I think you want stashed.
0: Yeah, they're close. I, man, that Colts offense is, I'm tempted to lean Dion because I could see a scenario where Taylor gets hurt and Dion is the bell cow and they can't do anything else but run the ball anyway or check it down to him. So I, I feel like I can see a bigger path to like big time production for Dion. Wilson's probably, an easier path to just kind of chipping in touchdowns, but I, I, yeah, I think Dion, but they are both good pickups.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right now that I think of it. Cause I, I mean, in Miami, there's a, is Miles Gaskin still on the roster? It's, it's Salvon and Ahmed, I, I think our guys yep. that are still there. So yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're there like that. That could become a, that will almost certainly still be a committee if most start were to go down, but the, yeah, the, there's a chance that Dion would command 60 to 70% of the snaps.
0: Yep. Yep. Man, yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good recap. I'm, I'm interested in all these guys. So uh, I, I think it probably says what, all you need to know though, about Gaskin and Ahmed, if they went out and got Jeff Wilson when they were playing behind Chase Edmonds. So uh, they definitely want to use Jeff Wilson here.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I just so that we don't totally uh, like snowball him. Ch- Chase Edmonds, we we're not interested when he's in Denver, right?
0: No, I mean, part of me thinks that we're all dunking on the Broncos' offense and Russell Wilson, and maybe we should keep an open mind here. But uh, Hackett, when that when this trade happened, he called Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon co-starters, and Chase Edmonds, he called him the third down back, which. I don't think we should put much stock into coach speak, but like that's, that's as bad as it gets right there. Like, first of all, co-starters, that's not a thing. Pick a starter. And then he's already penciling in Edmonds as a third down back. Like it, it's bad. The offense is bad. Yeah, I'm not interested in Edmonds and it's hard to even be all that interested in the rest of this backfield.
1: Co-starters is like coaches' favorite ways to troll us on backfields, right? Like what, what, what was it? Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson were labeled as co-starters in week one of this year. Like that, that turned out great. Didn't it? I feel, I feel like co-starters is like the label of death for an NFL running back.
0: Yeah. Like just, just pick one, you know, it's Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon. Just pick one.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> let's, move into a couple of other running back situations that we felt like we needed to talk about. Even we've droned on about trades for literally an hour now. I'm very proud of us, Eric, but let's get into the actual sit start segment of this sit start podcast. Uh, So so just kind of tell us uh, what is going through your mind ranking running backs this week? What's the state of the position?
0: yeah that's why this is going to be a quick segment because it's it's a mess we have a ton of bye weeks we also have injuries and players returning from injuries and then we have all these trades we just talked about so All the players that got traded, we don't know how much they're going to play this week. We have a lot of guys returning from injuries. We don't know how much they're going to play this week. Like, it feels like two-thirds of the backfields. We just don't know how this is going to shake out. So this is going to be a pretty quick segment. I mean, it's it's there's only so much we can talk about some of these situations. Like, I'm looking at Tyler Algier as my RB21 this week, and that's with Cordell Patterson coming back. So that might tell you all you need to know about the running back position. Um, But I am going to start with Cordell Patterson. He returned to practice on Wednesday. He hopes to play. And I honestly, I think it immediately puts them in the top 25 running back discussion for this week, uh, just because it's so bad. Uh, They're playing the Chargers, giving up 6.1 yards per rush. The Falcons are going to run the ball a lot. And we've seen Patterson produce and we've seen Tyler Algier produce. So I I have them both in my top 25. I'd be relatively comfortable playing them as my RB2 just because of the matchup and because we know this team's going to run the ball. So. I don't know how much Patterson's going to play, but just we've seen efficiency with him and I I think he can get it done on a relatively small amount of touches.
1: Yeah, I mean, is is Cordero Patterson worst case to stepping into like the Caleb Huntley role where the Falcons are just going to run, 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 run and they need multiple guys to do that and he's one of them? Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That may, unfortunately, that makes him someone you have to consider starting. My my zero RB teams that have him in the IR could, could actually
0: use him. Yeah. I mean, Huntley was 36% of the snaps last week. And I do think if Patterson was at a 40% role, like he kept, as long as he catches some passes, we'll be fine. And he was playing well before he got hurt. So he had a um, two top five, no two top six running back finishes in the uh, three full weeks he played. So I would play Cordell Patterson with the state of the position.
1: All right, sweet. Uh, let's move into the Cardinals
0: backfield now, Eric, tell, tell us what's going on with James Connor and Eno Benjamin. So this is another one. James Conner limited to practice, but he had been limited recently and still missed games. So his status is completely up in the air. Uh, I think we can play, you know, Benjamin almost regardless of James Conner's status at this point with the way things are this week. Uh, He's in my RB 25 range um, against Seattle with Conner out. I don't think he honestly moves down all that much if Conner's back. Uh, Seattle's defense has been getting better, but they've still given up the second most points to running backs. Uh, They're getting Shredded by pass catching running backs. That's where a lot of their points have come from. So, again, you know Benjamin, I think has looked pretty good. So you're playing a talented player, even if he's in a committee. So is everyone else. Like I'm getting you know Benjamin in my lineup as an RB two if I need him. And if James Conner comes back and takes seventy percent of the snaps, so be it. But I. I kind of would think that Eno's earned a little bit of like a Chase Edmonds role with his play. So I know last week wasn't like super exciting, nine for 22, uh, four catches for 23, but he got seven targets. Like, I think we've seen enough good stuff from, Eno Benjamin that we can trust him.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I also would not be surprised if if this is just like the kind of two-way committee that we've seen the Cardinals deploy before uh, for the rest of the season. Because yeah, Benjamin has been playing very well. Uh, Let's get into the backfield that has hurt me the most every single week of this year, Eric, talk, talk to me about the lions. What are we doing? I I've been resistant to the Jamal Williams, like every week starter type stuff, but I, I think you, I might've been dragged there now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we have to, he's had four different two touchdown weeks at this point. So I don't know what more you could want. I mean, he's, he's getting the touchdowns. Like even last week, he did not have a super high snap share. With Swift back. Uh, Swift played 55% of the snaps. Williams played 37. Williams still got two touchdowns. So I we're playing both of them as far as I'm considered. This is uh, this is another one. Like DeAndre Swift missed practice Wednesday. We'll see if it was a setback or if it's just a rest day. Who knows? Uh, the DeAndre Swift injury stuff has been very confusing this year. But they're both top 20 options for me. I'm playing both of them. Like, I, I think you need a player in the, and it's going to sound crazy saying this, but like the Deontay Foreman range are better to uh, sit one of them. So uh, I just want to give you an insight on, uh, you know, who our RB 14 is this week, RB 16 ECR that's uh, Deontay Foreman. But, um, yeah, I think you need one of those like locked in Belkow types right now to sit either Taylor or, or I'm sorry, either Swift or Williams
1: locked in Belkow Deontay Foreman. It, oh, man. Have you
0: seen his stat lines? He's rushed for 118 <sighs> yards in two consecutive weeks.
1: I have, I have seen the stat lines. I, I have been playing him in DFS. It's yeah, it, it has been a ride. It, in (laughs) fact, when when I had that tweet earlier this week uh, before our podcast, all about how we're smarter than NFL coaches with these running backs. uh, And a lot of people were replying to my tweet, like suggesting other running backs that they thought were that the fantasy industry supposedly figured out were better than the starter before the coaches did, and Deontay Foreman is actually a running back that somebody said. I don't, I don't know if they. I hope they meant that he's better than Shuba Hubbard. I, <laughs> I have a feeling that this, <laughs> that this might have been something about Christian McCaffrey. But I, yeah, that if you were wondering how how Twitter's going right now, that that's that's what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah, worth noting. Chuba Hubbard was limited on Wednesday at practice. We'll see if he's back. But regardless, you're playing uh, Deontay Foreman. So, I mean, they would be what two game winning streak if not for uh, a stupid DJ Moore penalty. That is a stupid penalty to enforce. Not, I'm not calling DJ Moore stupid, just a stupid penalty. But we can't get into that, or else this will be a three hour podcast. So, uh, um, oh no, okay, go for it. Let's hear your no, uh, DJ uh, Moore penalty I'll,
1: quickly. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say like I think number one that that should not be a penalty that's called T- taking your helmet off when when the ball is not in play after it's after a touchdown I, I understand that it there's argument over whether that was within the field of play as defined in the rule book but the the ball not in play there's no safety issue with taking off your helmet at that point i i just don't understand why that needs to be a rule and Yet, like yes, as a player, you should know what the rule is and abide by it. But people are like very quick for some reason to be like, "Well, DJ Moore was did it wrong. Like he he should have known." It's like yeah. yes, but that that's not like the important part that I feel like we should be focusing on here.
0: Yeah, I really hate the penalties that have big swings in I don't know win probability or whatever that have no bearing on. Who's playing well or who's not playing well, and there's a whole list of safety rules that I understand. Roughing the passer stuff, I don't get bent out of shape about those because they're trying to keep people healthy. But there's no that had no effect on the outcome of this game, and it, it cost the team a game. So I'm right there with you. I'm uh, I'm on DJ Moore's side. I always have been, but I was on his side in this one as well. So all right, let's get on to a quick hitter segment here on wide receivers, Ryan. Uh, D, uh, Rondale Moore. Um, we're just going to talk about him every week now, right?
1: Yeah. So I didn't want to, but then I'm like, well, I I actually have like something kind (laughs) of interesting to say about him. So I, I may as well. Um, So what basically any game that Rondale Moore has been deployed as a slot receiver for most of his snaps, like he's been productive and we can also see that coming through in the average depth of target. So the, in weeks five, six, and eight, Ron Ilmore had at least eight targets and was at least a top 35 wide receiver in each of those games. Of those three games, the highest average depth of target that he posted was 4.4. 4. So that that's pretty low, very clearly just being frequently used around the line of scrimmage. And look, before the season, that was a reason I wasn't into Ron Ilmore, that it Felt like his role was capped to just being that. But eh, now now I kind of understand why he was deployed like that all last year, because in weeks four and seven, Moore was not playing in the slot. He was playing in week four. He was playing outside while Greg Dortch was in the slot. And (laughs) similar in week seven, where he was kind of an outside decoy while DeAndre Hopkins was sometimes sliding into the slot, which was working out for him to be fair but in those two weeks, four and seven, where Rondale Moore finished outside the top 70 among fantasy wide receivers, his average depth of targets were 11.6 and 13. So we're just kind of at the mercy of how Cliff Kingsbury decides to deploy Rondale Moore. Uh, please play the five foot seven guy in the slot cliff. Um, I, I have Rondale ranked at wide receiver 25 against the Seahawks. I, but like, that's really fragile. All, all it takes is Cliff Kingsbury to think he sees something in the game planning and that that you can light that play on fire, basically.
0: Yeah. I don't have much more to add to that other than this sounds familiar to the Christian Kirk experience in Arizona, only a little bit more exaggerated with Rondale Moore. So it's great being at the mercy of Cliff Kingsbury and that's where we are. But I would agree. I think his upside and his reliability when he is used the right way is is worth starting so i'm right there with you okay romeo dobbs has maybe come back from the dead here uh, what are your thoughts on him against the lions this week
1: yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers was saying that we might need to get some other wide receivers playing because the guys out there aren't getting it done. That that was absolutely about Romeo Dobbs, who had dro- dropped a wide open touchdown against the Patriots. Just a comedy of errors from Romeo Dobbs this season. But with Alan Lazard out, Romeo Dobbs is kind of the only guy left for Rodgers to throw to. And I, I mean, against the Bills, he kind of was like, Dobbs had seven targets last week 12.3 oppo uh, it's this is a play that you kind of have to care about uh, I've got Dobbs ranked at wide receiver 29 against the Lions uh, Detroit is allowing the fifth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers and the Packers have the fourth highest implied total of any team this week so that yeah you're unironically kind of have to play Romeo Dobbs and a flex on a lot of teams this week. So we're, we're going to buckle in and hope for the best.
0: Yeah. The lions just fired their secondary coach and it looks like they lead the league in uh, catch rate allowed at 71% to wide receivers. So yeah, still can start players against the lions. That's for sure. So, all right, next up uh, Joshua Palmer against the Falcons. He has finally cleared concussion protocol. So uh, there's a huge opportunity here for him.
1: There is. So I wasn't going to bother talking about Joshua Palmer, who I had originally ranked as the wide receiver 37 against the Falcons. Uh, but that right before this podcast started, the news came out that Keenan Allen apparently has re-aggravated his hamstring injury. Stop me if you've heard this before, Eric. This is sounding very familiar. He, <laughs> Keenan Allen is considered unlikely to play in week nine now. Mike Williams is out for a month or more. Josh Palmer is kind of the only guy left. So I I had this whole take about how Keenan Allen being back and Palmer taking over on the outside in place of Williams could have benefited him much more than when he was playing opposite Williams. Uh, But now this is literally just a situation of Austin Eckler is probably getting 15 targets this week and Palmer will vacuum up a few others probably. So I, I think that makes him easily a wide receiver three. Uh, and yeah, the, the Falcons defense uh, has surrendered the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers of any team in the NFL this year. So you lock in Josh Palmer, I'm sure we'll be treated to him dropping a few more touchdowns. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen says that his hamstring got worse during the bye week and said that next time he plays, it's going to be all or nothing. He doesn't want to come in on a snap count. He wants to be ready. Uh, So uh, this sounds like DEFCON 5. I don't know. Is the higher number worse? Whatever. Uh, This sounds bad for Keenan Allen. So I think Joshua Palmer's locked into work for the foreseeable future. I mean, I I was shocked when I looked at Austin Eckler's target totals from the last two games. I think it was like – what is it? A combined 28 targets over the past two games. So they desperately need to throw the ball to somebody other than Austin Eckler. So uh, hopefully it is Josh Palmer.
1: Austin Eckler, by the way, started slow enough in the first couple of weeks that even though he's been on an insane pace since like week three, he's actually, I looked this up today. This is why I know he is just under pace to be a juggernaut running back right Mm -hmm. now. So it, if he keeps up what he's done the last six weeks, he probably will be a ju- qualify as a juggernaut over two hundred seventy two PPR points. So he's hit yeah. him and Christian McCaffrey are kind of the only ones close. Uh, Nick Chubb is there, but has had insane touchdown efficiency that I don't predict to keep up. Uh, Saquon is a little ways off, so it it's. Eckler McCaffrey or nobody this year, likely. So the juggernaut process is very owned.
0: Well, there just weren't many to pick from. It looks like he has, what, like eight touchdowns over the past four weeks. So maybe a little touchdown regression due for Eckler too. But again, who else are they going to give the ball to? So, all right, real quick on quarterback streamers here. A couple guys we've talked about a lot, but uh, who are your best options if uh, you don't have a quarterback on this uh, Wednesday evening of week nine?
1: Yeah, I really hope you picked up Justin Fields last week or the week before because, yeah, we're we're probably done with quarterbacks with real rest of season upside. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully you got Geno Smith or Justin Fields. But if you are in need of a quarterback this week, we do have a top 12 option available in 70% of leagues. His name is Marcus Mariota. He has been a top 12 quarterback in three of his last four games, still averaging just under seven rushing attempts per game. He is ninth among current starting quarterbacks in EPA per attempt. And this Falcons-Chargers game that we've already talked about is tied for the highest over-under on the slate at 49.5. And, and the Falcons are actually only three-and-a-half point underdogs to the Chargers. So I would guess this game goes under because I, I do not see how these two teams with I mean, maybe the line might move lower with the Keenan Allen news, but I I don't see how these two teams shoot out. But you're you're hoping that Mariota gets there on rushing production and poaches a few touchdowns, basically.
0: Yep. And then otherwise, Andy Dalton has played pretty well. Don't can't love the matchup too much against Baltimore. I know they're not maybe what they used to be. It feels like a bad Andy Dalton matchup, but he he's probably steady enough to pencil in if you're really desperate, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got him ranked QB 17. Uh, He is only rostered in 14 percent of league, so probably the deepest streamer I'm comfortable going with this week. I like he was really good for fantasy, not in real life in week 7 against the Cardinals. Uh in the dream matchup against the Raiders last week, he was fine. He was was like the QB15 on the week, I think. Uh and that but that was even on only 30 pass attempts because the Raiders decided to just roll over and not play football last week. Uh, I, I might need to go back and watch that game. I'm a little, I'm like morbidly curious what, what the Raiders were doing for 60 minutes on a football field. Uh, but yeah, like the Ravens are a pass funnel 48 point over under the, you could do worse.
0: Okay. Let's get to tight end streamers. Pretty similar landscape here. Hopefully you've got your tight end by now. Your best bets are going to be Robert Tunyon, Evan Ingram, Mike Kosicki. They're all in the 50 to 60% roster range on Yahoo. We've talked about them a ton, so I'm just going to skip over them. I've I've talked a lot about Tyler Conklin. He's kind of back on the radar, 20% roster. They play Buffalo, which isn't great. They just shut everyone down, but Conklin played 75% of the snaps last week, 16 targets over the past two weeks, two touchdowns last week. Like He's He's probably not as safe as he used to be, but um, he's free and he'll be fine. He, he, he's as good as the tight end 12 or whatever. So uh, I, I'm going to spend most of the time here. Let's, let's talk about Isaiah Likely a little bit, Ryan. Um, it's a Monday night matchup, so that makes this really tough. But he's only 24% rostered against the Saints. Um, we're coming off a game where Mark Andrews only played 10 snaps, coming off a knee injury, and then he suffered a shoulder injury. They're downplaying his injury, but like the Ravens are in the driver's seat of the AFC North now. They've got a buy after this week. I think there's a really good chance that they take it easy on Andrews. So it's hard to know how much risk to weigh here when it's a Monday night matchup for likely. But uh last week, likely 20% target share, 67% of the snaps. Like, how many tight end streamers have a six catch, 77 yard, and a touchdown upside like he showed last week? So I'm inclined to roll the dice on likely if I need kind of a, a swing at tight end this week. I don't know if that's too risky for you or what, but I just, I guess I would be surprised if Andrews is like full go come Monday night.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the risk of it is that it's Monday night. So if, if, I mean, the Ravens have not been all that transparent, in my opinion, with this injury, like the, yeah. Andrews like was immediately basically walking to the locker room the other night after the injury and immediately after the game it he's fine he's gonna be fine guys so i i don't know like yes on the one hand i don't really believe that but on the other hand like if if he is playing and you were counting on likely as a streamer from monday night and you don't know andrew's status before sunday like you're probably missing out on a, a different option that you would like better but yeah, I don't know. Like the more I talk myself into it, like if Mark Andrews is kind of like 50% on Monday night, like likely can still get there. It's probably not that much worse, even in a worst case scenario than a normal tight end streamer. Like you, you can absolutely get a goose egg from any of these other guys too. So yeah, I, yeah, the more I talk,
0: the more I kind of like it. I would say if, if you can get Tanya Engram or Gesicki, get them, Otherwise, I might pick up likely and then wait till Sunday morning. And if we're still not sure, there's probably going to be a Conklin or someone like there that there that you can pick up. So I I think that's kind of how I would approach it. Uh, If you're desperate, pick him up now and and see how things are looking here in a few days. Um, Otherwise, not a lot of other good options. I do want to keep an eye on Brock Wright for the Lions going forward. Not this week, but he's coming off a concussion. We're not sure if he's going to play, but uh, he's filling in for TJ Hawkinson. And I don't know. I think. Jared Goff is still going to throw the ball to the tight end. We saw a four for four for 57-yard line out of Brock Wright in week seven. So I could totally see Brock Wright being this year's like Dan Arnold down the stretch. Just, just enough volume to be like back end streamer most weeks.
1: Yeah, I honestly, when I saw people saying Brock Wright's name, I I was like, okay, guys, like we're we're just really bored. We're just looking down the the Lions tight end depth chart, but yeah, I could see it named monitor. I, I don't think I realized that he actually had put up some production already. So that, yeah, kind interesting enough.
0: Yeah, maybe we moved on from Kate Otten too fast, but he kind of <laughs> burned us all last week. So um, I don't know. He's still out there. I break might play this week, though. So that's always uh, a worry. So otherwise, defensive streamers, not a lot to talk about this week. I think if you can get the Chiefs 65% rostered home against the Titans, go for that. They could be Malik Willis again. Uh, If you can get the Dolphins 55% rostered at the bears, go for that. If you can get the Packers 56% at the lions, go for that. Like those are my priorities. But if we're sticking under the 50% range, it's pretty ugly. The best I could find Ryan was Jacksonville at home against the Raiders, just to see if this Raiders offense really is that broken. And and Jacksonville has a little bit of talent. So that's, that's like the best option I could find under 50% rostered. Yeah.
1: I, I, I don't hate it. Like you're, you're, playing a defense at home at least against yeah a team a team that is down pretty (laughs) bad um yeah i i mean real yeah realistically hopefully you got the chiefs on waivers because that them in a in a game script like that against tennessee almost no matter who the quarterback is just just sounds really really good so yeah, yeah i i think that i don't have any other big takes for defense i think
0: yeah, there were some other good options that shot way up when waivers ran. So like Minnesota against Washington, uh, Bengals against Panthers—they're all up in the seventy-five percent rostered. So I suspect everyone grabbed their defense by now. But those are some options if you didn't. So okay, well I think this was a fun one, Ryan. It was fun uh, straying a little bit from fantasy up top and recapping all these trades. And uh, I hope the NFL keeps up with this because I could get used to uh, crazy trade trade deadlines every year. It's just uh, it's a nice kind of refresher mid season as we're settling into the season. Yeah. And
1: I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy trade deadline by NFL standards. But like when when you look, just look at these names, you would not think these were players that we could drone on about for an hour. But so <laughs> somehow we did blow up Chase Claypool and Elijah Moore and Naheem Hines and Jeff Wilson into a, into a bunch of content. So I, I'm proud of the NFL for taking steps like this. And I'm proud of us, Eric.
0: I mean, Claypool, Tony Moore, that we we had some pent-up takes on them. So I, it doesn't surprise me that we went this long because uh, we've been dying to talk about some of these guys. So, all right. Well, like I mentioned up top, everyone, uh, thanks for being a part of this uh, community. We really enjoy talking with you all. So whether it's in our uh, Discord or on Twitter or Reddit, um, we appreciate you all sticking with us this year and uh, still got a long way to go. So um, stick with us for Sunday night, what we saw. We'll be back to recap the games. And I uh, hope you all get a win this week. Um, Playoffs are going to be here before we know it. So that's the one.